Hey, podcast family. Welcome to Motherhood in Black and White. I'm Kanji. I'm Tara. This week, we are going to be sharing with you all some information and resources and a conversation about the rise in hate crimes against particularly the Asian American community here in the United States. And it's something that has just not gotten a lot of media attention. And we want to find a way to have these conversations and bring them to our families and our kids and answer questions and do so in a thoughtful way. How are you doing this week, Tara? I'm doing good this week. Thanks for asking. We talked about it last weekend. We got through Snowvid and now we're trying to get back to regular life. How about you? Good. We're looking forward to spring break. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like in two weeks, a week and a half. <laughs> yeah. He's at home this week, too, though. Well, with the snow vid, some of the schools were damaged. And so after they came home from school for the long President's Day weekend, Roman stayed home for two weeks. It was a two week outage after that period. So we will be very, very excited for him to go back to school just for one week. That's and right. then we have spring break. It's just been a challenge, but it's a challenge that we've learned is manageable. Right. That's right. That's yeah. right. Mm hmm. So this week, before we dive in the conversation, I wanted to amplify the voice of one of my favorite authors, the wonderful Toni Morrison. Mm, pa- my favorites, too. Yes. What's your favorite Toni Morrison novel? You know, I will always have a soft spot for Beloved. It was the first book I read of hers, mm. and I just, I was blown away. Definitely on my must-read list. Yeah. It was amazing. It was fantastic. She yeah. passed on in 2019. I loved The Bluest Eye. Yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah, I read that when I was uh, about my son Roman's age. Mm. Uh, a lot about identity and um, really important, really important. So I, w- I would definitely recommend that one, too. But Toni Morrison, who passed on in 2019, she wasn't known just for her long books. She also wrote, wrote lots of essays. She was a college professor, just a national treasure. And I hope that people take the opportunity, not just in February Black History Month, but throughout the year to start to explore the writings um, and amplify the voices of a lot of famous Black writers and authors. So Toni Morrison once said that the function of freedom is to free someone else. And what we've seen is a lot of ways people have been imprisoned by their thoughts. Mm. Um, and actually, in this country, people were literally imprisoned. That's right. You know, um, last week marked the anniversary of the Internment Act, which mm-hmm. was signed in 1942. And in 1942, this country, in one of its darkest moments in the Internment Act, the United States government authorized the internment of Japanese American citizens, over 100,000 of them. Right. Yeah. For three years. For three years. Did you learn about that in school, Tara? I did not learn about that in school. No. Mm-mm. And that's scary to me because it is such a part of our recent history and past. And I know in growing up, we learned a lot about the Holocaust Mm -hmm. and the 6 million Jews that were interned in um, in Germany Mm -hmm. and in the Eastern Bloc countries. But we didn't learn that our own government was doing that on our soil. No, we didn't. And it was all sort of part of the exact same period of time that, you know, this, you know, World War II, it was all during that. And it's very interesting that it conveniently is left out of many history books. And it's something that I think that I need to do a better job of making sure that I share with Roman. Mm. And going back 80 years, this country took some of its own citizens and put them in concentration like camps on American soil. Right. And that wasn't just the beginning of some of the anti-Asian American sentiment, Mm. which we have seen a lot of recently. And I think it hasn't been 
shared a lot in mainstream media, mm-hmm. but you were telling me about this a couple of weeks ago when we decided to talk about this topic. Yeah. You were hearing about it mostly on your social media feed, right? Yeah. It, it was starting to really show up in my social feed, both on Facebook and Instagram. There were some shared hashtags and I was seeing sort of the same information being shared over and over again. And, you know, you start to catch a tint like, why is everybody sharing this? You know, so mm-hmm. I would stop down and read it. And it was something I was not aware of. You and I have talked about in the past how people grab a stereotype and other people out of convenience. And we, this kind of relates to similarly what happened with 9 11 in the Muslim community and what happened during our last administration and the wall in the Latinx community. And now with COVID, because of the origin of this you know, virus, people are taking that and weaponizing it against the Asian community. It's a very harrowing experience for that community. And because they have this experience in this country, not too long ago, 1942 was not too long ago, you know, there's already like this mistrust. And I think some of that's why we're not seeing it shared as much is because they're not as comfortable sharing. They just, you know, they don't want any attention brought on them because they have such a tough past. I don't want to speak, obviously, for the community, but I am concerned that this seems to be cropping up in such a big way. Especially in the Northern California area where I was raised. I've heard and I've read a lot about some of these targeted attacks against Asian Americans, elderly Asian Americans. Yes. And it made me question, how can I explain this or how should I explain this to my son Mm -hmm. and other kids? If it's brought to us, like, what is a hate crime? Mm -hmm. How do we as moms explain to our kids what a hate crime is and why it's happening? How would you um, approach that and with with your son? Oh, gosh. I actually looked up the definition the other day because Mm. I, you know, we do this as parents. I don't know if this happens. Like, he'll ask me what something means. And I know what it means, but I don't want to, I know I'm going to bungle it. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) just look it up, you know, and, and, you know, the way I've always described it is a crime against someone that is purely because of their race, their sexual identity, you know, uh, something that makes them different and a crime is committed against them because of that. And do you think he would understand that? Maybe because, you know, your son is is white. So is it anybody that's not, that doesn't look like him? Yeah. Is that how you do it? No, I mean, I guess it's, it's so broad, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just about race. It's about, right. you know, sexual orientation. It's about age. It, there's a lot of things that could cause it to be a hate crime if it's based solely on something that makes that person different. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just such a broad definition. I guess if I was explaining to my kid, it would be, um, I think I would still kind of describe it that way. Like if someone's being picked on or hurt because of something that makes them stand out, then that to me would qualify as a hate crime. A lot of our schools have district-wide programs about anti-bullying campaigns. Right. And anti-bullying campaigns don't focus on the othering that happens that is the basis of a hate crime. Yeah, they just say be nice. Don't bully. Right. But But they don't often focus on the fact that a lot of times that bullying has to do with. Right. Yeah. And so we can dive in a little bit right now about how it is that we can and probably, I know you and I do, form that basis in our homes and our conversations with our sons. Yeah. 
But but there needs to be a conversation, I think, with parents and kids about explaining cultural differences mm. and explaining racial differences about differences with sexual orientation and it's done in a thoughtful, intentional way. Mm-hmm. So then, then we say, well, this is what the basis is. And this is what where hate crime would then come from. Yeah. 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 And like you said, we look at what happens with Asian Americans mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And that kind of draws its roots from some of the negative stereotypes and the negative discourse around the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. like you said, the origin of the coronavirus. Right. And what we've seen is people who um, are Asian American who may not be Chinese uh, right. who've been attacked with yeah. the slurs spewed at them saying like, oh, you know, the Chinese are to blame for this. Mm-hmm. You know, you are to blame for this. And and some of the Asian Americans that are targeted are like, I'm Korean oh, or I'm Taiwanese. from China. Right. Look, first of all, I'm not even from China. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but it's like, how do we explain that to our kids? Because there's such hate and there's such hor- horrific atrocities that are being committed mm-hmm. against a lot of times right now. It's elderly people. Right. And so for me, it's explaining like, okay, how do we start with and have the initial conversation about race, racism and othering right. um, that we don't have in in the schools? Right. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, because Roman is black, we start with um, him understanding that the history of uh, black Americans starts with the arrival of the enslaved Africans in the 1500s mm-hmm. and it continues all the way through. And sometimes when we have conversations, Roman's like, oh, mom, are we actually going to talk about <laughs> this again? I said, yes, we are. Because yeah. it's a part of your history yeah. and understanding that some people have a different level of understanding yeah. of what the experience is of, of, of Black Americans or of African Americans. And some of those understandings have led to a creation or proliferation of stereotypes Mm. and really bad thoughts and prejudices that have crept up and crept in. And given that, you need to be aware of how you may be perceived. And it's a different level of conversation as a mom when your kid can potentially be the target of a hate crime. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's not a black or white issue because like you said, there's times when it's sexual orientation. Yeah. Um, but but we as moms, you think about it like, well, what conversation do I have with my kid mm-hmm. when he can potentially be the target of a hate crime, of a hate crime versus a conversation I'm going to have with my kid when he could potentially be an aggressor? And everyone could be an aggressor. Yeah. But, but when that's the sole concern, like yeah. what does that then sound like? Yeah, while you were talking, I was thinking how different it is for me to talk to Gage about this because to date, he escapes much of the othering that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. right? I can say I haven't had a targeted, intentional conversation. I mean, we do talk about bullying and I do speak about bullying in the terms of especially for someone who may have a challenge, we never pick that up and use that against them, right? Mm. So I do speak to that specifically. Like he's had friends who have had differences. We have talked about it together. Like one friend in particular I can think of who has been bullied at school, not by Gage, but by other people where Gage was telling me that. And we had a conversation about like, 
why do you think they do that? You know, what do you think about that sort of behavior and, and why it's not okay? So I know I've had those conversations. I don't know if they were intentional or if they were just more organic and natural because kids act like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, w- but when we talk about it, we have had conversations about the otherness, the, that part of it and how that, that to me, uh, and he and he and his dad and I both had that conversation. I'm like, listen, you know, you're a kid, you're a boy. There's going to be fights. There's going to be times when you guys are pushing each other around. It happens. But the disappointment I would have if you ever picked up something that made somebody different and used it as a weapon against them, that would be, I would really, we really would have more disappointment about that than anything else. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, kids are kids and they rough house and we get that. And, um, but he and I've had very specific conversations about I, I, how disappointed that would be for me and how it's just not okay. Did you have those conversations with him starting when he was much younger or how did you decide and determine the age appropriate? Yeah. Um, I don't, he wasn't, no, he, it was an elementary school. It was probably like, you know, in first or second grade, he had a friend who had a physical disability. And I think that's when we started having the conversation. Cause I feel like it was coming up with other kids and he, and it was his friend and he was worried about it. And we had a pretty good conversation about it. I didn't really have many conversations with Roman beyond racial and cultural differences. Yeah. But I realized that I was doing him a disservice because a part of me is like, well, I'm going to wait until he's much older to have Mm. conversations with him about people who may have different sexual orientations or who may be transgender. And a story that I would love to share is a couple of years ago when Roman was in fourth grade, he and uh, one of his friends were talking about transgender. And I and I listened, of course, you know, we kind of eavesdrop yeah, yeah, yeah. on what their conversations. It? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the most fun. <laughs> and I felt confident because I'd known the other kids since he was in first grade. So I said, hey, guys, what do you mean? you're talking about transgender. Like, do you even know what that means? And they said, yes, I do. I said, well, how do you know what it means? Or what, what experience do you have? And they said, well, we have a classmate who's transgender mm-hmm. and her dead name is, and she goes by this now. And I said, what? I said, how does that make you feel? Yeah. And they said, fine. She was born a boy, but, but she's always identified as a girl and she's our friend. And I said, would you ever treat her differently? I said, no, of course not. She's our friend. And it was like, oh my goodness, they get it. Yeah. But we kind of do them a disservice when we don't have these conversations. And I realized I didn't have that conversation with him, A, because I was afraid to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know what to say and I didn't. In my mind, I thought like, well, I'm, I would be um, ruining his, um, his view of the world by giving information to him that I thought was more for older kids. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I was like, he's too young to yeah. get this. He's too young. And I realized, no, no, he would have been ready. He was ready. I was the one that was too young in my <laughs> mothering to yeah. do that for him, you know? And then the same thing last year after the death of, of George Floyd and, and, one day he came to me and he said, mom, there are all these reports on TikTok that the Ku Klux Klan is gathering in Mansfield. And he was crying. He's scared. And he's like, and I need to be afraid because I'm black. Mm. And he's like, but mommy, I don't even know what is the Ku Klux Klan. And I realized like, oh, my then 11 year old son, I'd never shared with him that part of the history. Like I said, you know, he's like, well, what's the Ku Klux Klan? And why would they hate me because I'm black? Mm. And I said, okay. Oh, these another layered yeah. conversation, but yeah. these are conversations that we have to have. Yeah. It's just, it's heartbreaking that we still have to have them. 
Yeah. I mean, what your story tells me, and I'll tell you one, one funny story about Gage that I'd forgotten when he was maybe four, he was at a birthday party and we had, had conversations when he was three or four about boys could marry boys and girls could marry girls. I don't remember how it came up, but the question got asked and I go, that's right. I go, anybody can marry whoever they like. And he was at a birthday party and all the girls were talking about getting married and they had already decided which of the boys they were going to marry. I mean, this is what girls do, right? Mm-hmm. Young girls. And they were all talking about it. And Gage goes, well, I mean, maybe not because uh, boys can marry boys, girls can marry <laughs> girls. And I remember looking around at the parents like, anybody got something to say about my son? <laughs> and everybody was just like, that's true. And and what that told me and what your story about Roman and his friend talking about their transgender friend tells me is the kids are going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing the best we can. And it seems like they're so much further along than we were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like with as much, they're having to handle so much more information than we did. And when we were kids, and they seem to be, you know, doing really well. They seem to be okay. They have the information that we didn't have. Because right. remember, when we were growing up, our TV had three channels. That's right. TV shut off at <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning. That's the Star right. Spangled Banner came on. That's right. And then TV there was went no off. no computers in my house. There was no <laughs> was computers. Nothing. Like, we had that one set of encyclopedias. That's it. it. <laughs> but they have the ability to have access to information. And yeah. sometimes they are gaining information from a variety of sources. Yeah. Some are reputable and some clearly or not yeah. but it it sort of speeds up yes what like like you were thinking oh we don't talk about that until he's whatever i'm like uh no. it turns out we're gonna have to start talking about stuff that we didn't have to get into right and so we we, we understand and recognize like we need to have a strategy yeah. like the strategy is not i'm gonna hope to shield my kid from learning about these things until right. i'm ready or i think that they are ready yeah but the strategy needs to be okay, these are things that are going on in the world. If it's on my social media feed, mm-hmm. then it's most likely going to be on my kids' social media feed or right. their their friends or their friends' older or siblings. Or TV shows or yes. in their classroom. Yep. So how can I get in front of this information so that they hear about it in a way that is what I want them to know? Mm-hmm. You know? And so if it's a situation where we're talking about a rise in hate crimes and Asian Americans being beaten on the streets. Yeah. We can have the conversation with our kids, you and me especially because our kids are adolescents, mm-hmm. and explain some of the history of the atrocities against Asian Americans in this country on this soil, mm-hmm. the unnecessary othering and associating the COVID virus mm-hmm. with and blaming Chinese Americans for that. Right. And what that now has meant. And, and really finding out from them and diving in with our kids to see like, well, what is it you think or what is it you've heard? Yeah. And have those conversations there. Yeah. Especially now when it's not just, you know, when we were kids, you know, it was like silly things on the playground, mean words and, and mean names. But now we're seeing these mean words and these mean names being said by the adults in yeah. the world. And so... I want to make sure he knows that just because an adult said it doesn't mean it's true. And, right. I, and I'm the one who's responsible for that conversation. You know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the one he's looking to. And learning that these aren't conversations or stories of things that happened a long time ago right. back in the wild, wild west. Right. And just going to close the loop on what happened with the Japanese internment. Mm-hmm. We know that 
Fred Korematsu, who was a Japanese American, he actually petitioned to the Supreme Court about whether or not this was legitimate. Like, mm-hmm. how can how in this country can we hold Americans in concentration camps? Yeah. And the United States Supreme Court said it's legal. And that was in 1944. Oh Again, okay, but that was before we were born. Yeah, I know right. we're getting up there, but that was... Yeah. But then in 1980, late 1970s, I'm sorry, Jimmy Carter started an investigation into what really happened because there were stories that this was intentional and, and, and a lot of things had been hidden for, for many years. Right. But the reparations that were paid to the survivors of the internments, and there were almost 85,000 of them, mm-hmm. would, was done in 1987 or 88 by mm-hmm. Ronald Reagan. And all of the survivors of those experiences in the in the 1980s received um, $20,000 each. So that was the way of the government making reparations. Now, we were both alive back then. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I don't remember this happening. I don't remember learning about this and hearing about it. Um, and we talk about reparations. And when you hear the word reparations, a lot of times people think, oh, this is because of um, Black Americans and the history of the enslavement of, of Africans and mm-hmm. African Americans. But we don't also realize that Black Americans weren't alone, you know, right. <laughs> there, yeah. there, is, there was a mistreatment. And so when we talk about anti-racism and s- racial equity, mm-hmm. it's not just a black and white issue. Correct. It's about making sure that we understand that we are all in this battle for equity and for racial justice and healing and a restorative justice together. Yeah. And we need to stop othering any group. Right. And right now, it just seems like, oh, the Asian Americans are the group du jour. Yeah, there's like a spotlight. It's it's so bananas to me. It's so frustrating. It just seems yeah. cyclical and it seems unnecessary. But I think that we will continue to have conversations about and around each other until we start having conversations with each other. I agree. To the point of what's happening now, uh, we we want to be sure that we share some resources with our audience. And we're going to put a few of those resources in our show notes. Um, there are several entities out there working to help the Asian community right now. One of the most informational hashtags I've seen on social media is hashtag stop Asian hate. Mm-hmm. And they've actually shared several items. There's sort of a four step action plan things that we can do for others. So one of the things that you and I were talking about is stopping the misinformation. Stopping the misinformation. Stopping the misinformation. If you hear people talking about how COVID is the Asian American community's fault, please correct that person. (laughs) COVID is not blamed on the Asian community. Um, And you know, you hear people referring it to it in a derogatory way. And instead of calling by its real name using, you know, different derivatives of uh, China or Chinese to talk about it, correct those people. The other thing is, you know, sort of what we try to teach our kids, which is see something, say something, Mm -hmm. you know, that's part of the conversation. If you see mistreatment, one of the things that we do in our nonprofit is we try to amplify in the voices that are often heard. We try to use those voices to amplify the message because, you know, people are going to hear that. So see something, say something, Um, check in on your Asian American friends, just check in just like you would um, for any of your friends. This is a tough time for them. And it's important that they know they're not alone and that we see what's happening and we care about it. And then um, we'd also just encourage you to get the facts on this. Like Kanji and I talked about, this is not in mainstream media. It's not a huge story. Um, It's starting to get a little bit more notice, I think, because of the social media sharing. But check out hashtag stop Asian hate, amplify some Asian American 
voices in your social so that you can follow along and see how to help and, you know, really find out what's happening. It's an important topic and it's a good discussion to have in general with your kids, I think. Yeah, we all need to have conversations with our kids about community building, about Mm -hmm. lifting each other up, not being bullies and knowing how to stand up for those who need it the most. Yeah. And realizing that we're a better society when we all stand up with and stand up for one another. And it just makes me realize that here we are still fighting to achieve the dream that the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King so eloquently laid bare on Steps to the Lincoln Memorial back in 1963. So we have a lot of work to do, but he wasn't the first to dream. No. He was not the first to dream. Gonna share with everyone a poem by Langston Hughes, who was a wonderful poet during the Harlem Renaissance and passed in the 1960s. He actually died in 1967, four years after Dr. King delivered the I Have a Dream speech. And his poem was titled Dreams. Hold fast to dreams, for if dreams die, life is a broken winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams, for when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. And so here in Texas, we were digging out from the (laughs) snow last week. Yeah. And then we um, entered some 80 degree weather. It was a weird change in a very short period of time. Very short period. And what that just showed me is that seasons change. Mm. Things can change so quickly. Yeah. And so even in the darkest of our winters, we know that springtime can be ahead. But Let's prepare for better days. Yeah, totally. Uh, thank you again, guys, for joining us each week. We love having you. As a reminder, you can listen to this podcast on any platform. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify, Google. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Make sure you hit subscribe. Kanji and I are very excited about the March lineup we've got coming for you guys. You don't want to miss those episodes. And as usual, please rate and review us. We love reading every single one of those. Thank you so much. We thank you for reaching out to us again and checking in and checking up. And like Tara said, check in on um, members of the Asian American community that are friends of yours, family or loved ones. Check in on, on all of your people. Just make sure we check in. We're entering 12 months of um, dealing with quarantines and and, and a pandemic. So, so make sure we check in, check up with one another. We thank you every week for tuning in, for listening in, and hopefully sharing some stuff with us. Take good care. We'll see you next week.